0: It's Monday, October 19th, 2020, and you're listening to the Architecture Geeks Podcast. I'm Matthew. And I'm Larry. And we're your friendly neighborhood architects, being as geeky as we want to be.
1: Welcome back, everyone. Thank you for joining us. Once again, Matthew is joining the podcast from Florida, where he's still, I guess, happily ensconced in. Uh, there with family. Uh, I, although I, I, from what we were saying earlier, the, um, not sure the kids are really, well, William's not really enjoying the beach as, as much as Riley, right?
0: Yeah. It definitely took a few days for him to get used to the sand and the wind and all the noises going around. So it, 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 it took him about three days before he finally warmed up to the idea of, Oh, okay. Let's go to the beach. <laughs>
1: He wasn't like getting dive bombed by seagulls or anything, was he?
0: Oh no, that that would have been preferable because they actually like the birds. <laughs> that, that that would have been a, a welcome distraction from the screaming, to say the least.
1: Well, at least he's getting used to it because you guys are are there for another week, so hopefully he'll he'll really learn to enjoy it and then probably come home and want to know why they can't go to the beach again. Anyway, we, we thought we talk we we do something a little different, and because because Matthew is in Florida. We talked a little bit today about designing buildings for a very specific climate, and in this case, it's going to be Florida. So a fundamental part of what we do as architects is really trying to design buildings and and pay attention to climate, but it's not something that as architects, we get to encounter on a daily basis in a built environment. So for example, we're used to the sort of the big box stores that are, well, you've been in one of Walmart for example, or even a steel or glass skyscrapers and even the most the more speculative development projects, all, all of these things, they have a tendency to ignore anything about the surrounding environment. They could care less or, or what the climate conditions are of their particular sites in, in sheer favor of sort of overpowering any obstacle to their existence by any artificial or mechanical means. And a great example of that really is if you're in the South, especially if you're in the South, the more air, the more AC we can have, the better. And at the same time, if we've got to pump water in from, you know, uh, 10 miles away, or hundred miles away, there are people that will do that just to accommodate whatever this structure is, that's being built with with no regard to what else any of the climates doing or anything else is happening, but this is how we have, I think, in the in the general built environment, how we've come to sort of sort of approach that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, and so I've got a question for you, Larry. What everyday building have you been in previously that has responded to its environment in an intentional and positive way? Because as you mentioned, it's not all that it's not all that common to find a building like
1: that. Off the top of my head, I can't think of any building that I've been in that's really been designed specifically for the environment or for the for the climate it's in. I, I think if, if a building's designed in that fashion, it, it is a very deliberate thing, and it's usually the client who's driving it. It's not just a sort of natural instinct that a building's going to get built that way. It, it tends to be very client-driven and an architect responding to that, otherwise for the most part things are just built you know it's it's a it's a little cookie cutter sitting on a cookie cutter lot with any you know total disregard to anything about siding the building correctly to take advantage of the the sun or window placement or anything like that because again we will just simply we don't care about windows except for egress we just have all the air conditioning so we'll crank it down to 70 and we'll be happy so the only thing i can kind of think of is when we're in New Orleans, and you look at the houses down in the French quarter with these giant giant windows and these interior courtyards and you got to think way before air conditioning. you know these these this is a part of the country that's built in the 1700s and way before air conditioning. they had to have these they must have had to have these giant windows just to be able to cool the house down during the, the summer months, because I don't know how else you would stay cool there because I've, I've been there in the summer and 102 degrees and 3000% humidity. I don't, I don't know how you do it, but, but generally I, I honestly, it's a shame. I, I really haven't, haven't seen that. So, uh, so yeah.
0: And, and, and that's where we, we wanted to go with today's podcast. I, on, on my trip to Florida, we've, I had the the fortunate coincidence to be put up in a house that was specifically designed for the client, or for the for the climate that it, that it sits in, and it's actually been kind of fun, kind of discovering all the little hidden design details. Not maybe not hidden, but all the little design details and all of the the things that that the builder thought about as as he was designing this house. And so I thought we'd talk a little bit about that and and just make a point to mention that, hey, you know, designing with the environment in mind isn't as common as it seems. Maybe we should make it so or strive to, to be a little bit better in that regards. But you're right. There have been very few instances where A building has been designed, everyday buildings have been designed to fit the local climate other than existing to constantly fight the local conditions. And well, what do we mean by, I guess, what do we mean by not fighting the local environment? And the example I'll give is from vacation. We're staying in rural Florida at an old ranch house. And at first glance, it looks like any other house in the middle of nowhere but the first thing that really caught my eye that said there was more to the house were the bugs <laughs> actually to be more specific the mosquitoes and and that's just because as soon as we stepped out of the car they they just they hit you it, it i've killed mosquitoes out here that are three-quarter inch diameter size bugs they're just huge <laughs>
1: I've, I've, I guess you know us going to Key West is has been we've been considerably lucky, lucky in that regard because you know we're we're down in Florida basically after every Christmas, and we have yet to have that sort of experience. We 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 have the mosquitoes, and I think probably because we're there in the winter time, it's not nearly as bad. But yeah, when when you said three quarter inch long mosquitoes, I'm just like, because they love me, and it, it would drive me quite crazy having to deal with that. But to give everyone an idea of of what what you're really talking about because what this cuz what we what you're going to talk about what we're going to talk about is very specific to this house and very specific to this environment that the house is in because you said rural but this is like middle of nowhere florida swamps right yes very much so okay so so that means it's going to be heat you have to deal with the humidity lots of rain occasional hurricane And uh, like you said, way too many bugs, especially for October. But I would imagine probably pretty much any time of the year, I would guess.
0: Yeah. As we've been living here, I've seen three distinct design decisions that have really tickled the architecture part of my brain. First, the house is an L-shaped with the interior elbow of the house facing east and south. And most of the doors and windows are along these two sides. And and this is important because it orients the house and the major openings in the house to catch any of the breezes coming from the ocean, which is about 30 minutes south and east from the house. The second feature is the windows and door placements. Not only are they designed to catch the ocean winds, but they're also placed with the big openings from the sliding glass doors and the large windows on two sides of the house and the smaller windows on the
1: other two sides of the house. And I think this is where we tend to miss things. You know, this is this is a thing that I would think in, in Texas we might find a way to take advantage of, and I don't think we do. And again, my mind goes back to the to the houses in New Orleans. But this idea of the the bigger windows on one side and the smaller windows on the other sort of is you know it's it's a great way to take advantage of what's called the Venturi effect, which basically is going to magnify any of the existing breezes in a space. So you end up with a much better airflow through the house. So when you're catching a breeze, you actually can able you're actually able to draw the air through the house and actually actually move it and help cool the house. I don't think we think of that here. Because somehow we just seem to have stopped thinking about opening, <laughs> opening windows. We have uh, a casement window, a big casement window in the front of the house. And we have two huge casement windows in our bedroom. There are certain times of the year that I can crank open those windows. And because one's on you know, the opposite sides of the house, we can pull enough breeze just through the back of the house that there are times it actually gets chilly, but generally people don't think about that so so yeah that, that they've done that with the house and they've done it deliberately deliberately that's what's amazing to me is that somebody the guy had designed this house and you were telling me about the house this was a deliberate move on their part they knew that they had to catch the ocean breezes and this is going to be the best way to do it oh
0: yeah and, and and the fun part for me was talking with the the owner and the owner actually, mentioned that the house was designed before air conditioning so that was another clue to me that this was a house you know worth digging into a little further to see what else I could find and and that brings us to our last feature which is and and to me the most valuable which are the the deep covered patios and entrances every door in or out of this ha- uh, ha- this house has a large patio completely enclosed with bug screens. And the patios were part of the original house, not added onto after the fact. And this has two benefits, really. First, it keeps all the bugs out.
1: <laughs>
0: and second, it provides much-needed shade to major parts of the building so that it's not going to overheat throughout the day. In total, the house really has responded well to the given environment. It it captures the natural sea breezes with the shape of the building. The doors and windows are properly sized and placed to take advantage of any wind. And the patios are deep and screened to protect the house from bugs and heat. The building still has ceiling fans and, and a nice AC system added on after the fact, but it's not 100% dependent on on these to inform the design choices.
1: And to think that this was done before they had air conditioning. So yeah. So they really had to be thinking about these things. And and that I guess it's I'm sure now now it's nice that, you know, they have the AC system, but you know, here in Texas, if the AC goes out in your house, suddenly it's eighty-five inside and and you're just miserable. But the thing to think that they've designed this so you're not a hundred percent dependent on that is is so great. But By contrast, you know most of the buildings that we encounter on a daily basis. If you you think about those buildings, like grocery stores or big box stores or most local development, everything really relies on that AC. These really huge AC systems to keep people inside very happy. I'd say you know happy and healthy, but sometimes you need some need some fresh air. And like most spec homes, you know the development of those, they're going to totally ignore the little things like strategically placed strategically placed screened in porches. I'm having a horrible time talking today in favor of sort of maximizing interior square footage. They are shooting for that square footage to maximize profit and they're not going to pay attention as much to the comfort and enjoyment of whoever is going to be buying the house. And I don't know, it's, it's such an odd way to, I think to approach living maybe uh, versus what you've been experiencing there in Florida.
0: Yeah, it, it has been, it, I'm walking through the house and I'm just constantly finding these little details are like, Ooh, that's neat. Ooh, that's neat. And, and, and over the course of the last week, you know, you build up this image of, okay, this is what you, you put all those little pieces together. And the sum of its parts is, is a actually rather clever little design to that responds really well to the environment. And from a, you know from a developer's perspective they may have one pro- prototype building that gets repeated over and over again and even even if they were to just improve on that prototype so you don't have to a- add on anything in the after there's an entire especially here in Florida there's an entire aftermarket geared towards adding on screened porches to to spec home that spec homes that people buy and just improve all, all the developer has to do is just improve that one prototype to include you know something as simple as a screened import, portion and, and you could sell a heck of a lot more of these because people don't have to come back in later and and add it on to themselves after add it on by themselves afterwards
1: and james and i know a couple in tampa which is probably not well it's you're on you're more the atlantic side there so tampa's more the gulf coast side but they had a I I guess theoretically it's a spec home built. It was interesting to watch it being built because I'd never seen cinder block home construction. It just kind of completely threw me. But if you're in a hurricane zone, that would make sense. But they they came along afterwards, I think last year, uh, or maybe the beginning of this year, they installed a pool. I'm like, oh, wow, they're putting in this really beautiful pool and it's gorgeous and it's great. And then all of a sudden they started building this enclosure around it. And suddenly it was this this screened-in enclosure with a roof thing on it, and I'm like, "Why are you covering the pool? I don't understand. This doesn't make any sense to <laughs> any sense to me. It just completely threw me off." But you know, after listening to you talk about bugs, I'm like, "Oh yeah, I guess that would make sense." But but it but it's, it strikes me too is one of those things. It's the aftermarket. It is something that's not thought of ahead of time. So mm-hmm. instead of them building the house and the pool and having it all sort of work together. Now they've got this sort of secondary, secondary thing happening. And, and yeah, it's, it's funny. It's as residential designers and residential architects, there's more thought process put into to designing a home than a spec builder will. So we're, we are apt to look at, like you said, you know, why don't include this? It, what, you look at a spec home and you think, well, why didn't you just do this in the first place? instead of me having to come along behind everybody and, and fix it. But I, but I do, I, I think it is really cool though, that, that you are somewhere where you get to see all of this, where you get to see, you know, you can see the spec columns with all the little screened in additions that, you know, look like screened in additions. And then to come back and you've got this really cool house that you're staying in that clearly was done with the purpose and clearly and clearly works. I mean, it it does exactly what it was designed to do, designed to do, and I, I think that's just something we don't see enough of. So, um, yeah, yeah. I, I, honestly, please tell me you are taking lots of pictures.
0: Yes, lots of pictures, and I actually plan on going out and sketching a little bit of it uh, later in the week. So that should be that should be a fun addition to the website.
1: That's cool. Do, do you have any idea who designed the house?
0: I don't. I, I honestly don't. But I think I think it was just a local someone who just had, had a piece of land and you know, needed the building to respond in a specific way. So that's how it came up. Yeah. So I think I think that's where we'll call it a day today. I'm I'm getting kicked out of uh out of my recording space. And uh, so as always, thank you all for listening uh, to us. Just kind of geek out about something stupid and simple and just a little bit architectural. And as always, you can find me on social media. I'm at Matt on Twitter, and you can always find Larry at
1: Larry at SpottedDogArchitecture.com or at SpottedDogArch on Twitter and Instagram.
0: Again, thank you all for listening. We'll catch you next week. Bye.
1: Bye.